0: Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the holy and anointed Lamb of God, the light of the world, the savior of mankind. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or call us at 678 678- Six nine two eight eight seven zero. You can also write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205 We look forward to hearing from you and we pray that these messages of truth touch your lives. If you have been moved by these biblical teachings, please visit our forums online at covenantpeoplesministry.org and sign up to follow us on our YouTube channel, Covenant People. Thank you for joining us for another CPM broadcast. And now, here is our pastor, Jeremy Visser, with our next Bible study.
1: Hello again, dear friends and kinsfolk. Thank you for joining me as we examine one of the most beloved parables of Yahshua, and it is found only within the Gospel according to Luke. What we're going to be looking at today is Christ's parable of the lost money. Now, if you've been with this ministry for any length of time, you'll know that I attempted to cover the parable of the lost coin Sunday, June 12th of this year. But unlike every other parable that I preached of Yahshua this year, the parable of the lost coin had such poor audio quality, it's basically... Unable to be listened to. And so, for that reason, we're going to recover it today, and I'll be adding a little bit to it. Because Yahshua's teaching pertaining to the parable of the lost coin is right on the tail end of His most infamous parable of the lost sheep. But before we do that, I'd like to remind the flock that this week, Covenant People's Books has released Three titles to the internet. Three books that you're able to order in print form or download in portable document format for your cell phone or laptop. The first of these three books is titled Selected Poetry of Jeremy John Visser. And this book, I knew, would not be popular. In fact, I don't expect it to be. But it is a collection of of many poems that I have written beginning in the late 80s all the way up until the year 2000. And we went through all of those and we found the ones that we believe would be probably a bit more edifying to the flock. But that title, Selected Poetry of Jeremy John Visser, is likely a little bit darker than anything else that we've produced from this outreach. And as such, remains a sub-official release. The second book that we've released was a long time coming. And it is titled, The Seedline Line Monthly Devotional. And this book is designed to teach the reader seed line or Christian identity doctrine in 30 days. In fact, it's designed for prisoners and our brothers and bonds to be able to be edified from within 30 days or even two months, they should be able to have a full grasp on Christian identity doctrine. And I might interject here that as far as we know, these two books, Selected Poetry of Jeremy John Visser and the Seedline Monthly Devotional, are the first poetry book and devotional released within Christian identity ever. So email this ministry if we're wrong in that. The third book, before we actually take a look at Yahshua's parable of the money, was meant to be released in 2008, but somehow or another got overshadowed with our horrendously delayed book, Sataniel. And therefore, The Morning Stars was attached to the end of Sataniel, but only in the internet e-book edition. So, I'm pleased to finally announce (laughs) in August of 2016 that the Morning Stars book is finally available. Now, the Seedline Monthly Devotional is only 50 pages long and it's about $4 to be able to order and ship. And as a result, we intend on sending this devotional to our brothers and bonds and anybody who might be imprisoned that requests a copy. The final edition of our Morningstars paperback comes to 72 pages and it's about 10 bucks, just like the poetry book, which is 94. The interesting thing about the poetry book, at least, is the majority of the poetry that are in there were all typeset on a word processor back in the day, and there's many loose leaf pieces of paper that are handwritten within it. Now, I don't expect a majority of people to run out and buy my poetry book because I don't think it's that good. However, if you're interested in poetry, be sure to order yourself a copy of the selected poetry of Jeremy John Visser. And if you're into seed doctrine or know a brother and sister who might be edified by a devotional, meaning something they can read daily and keep focused upon well then please consider the Seedline Monthly Devotional. And, if you're one of my listeners that's been with me for any length of time and would like to have a copy of the Morning Stars in paperback format so you can read it in your car or at work on your lunch break, information for doing that can be found on the World Wide Web at covenantpeoplesministry.org under the section Covenant Peoples Book we now have officially seven titles that can be ordered. Albeit, we have published nine to date, but two are out of print. So, with that out of the way, let's now examine Yahshua's parable of the money. And as I mentioned at the beginning, this particular parable appears only within the Gospel according to Luke. And it's found within the 15th chapter. And in order to fully understand it, we must begin at the beginning of the chapter, where we read in verse 1. Then drew near unto Him all the publicans and sinners for to hear Him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. Now that sets the stage, if you will, for Yahshua to come and give His parable of the lost sheep and his parable of the lost money. And what's interesting about that is the Pharisees murmured within themselves saying, this man receiveth sinners. And he eats with them. And modern Judeo-Christendom takes this to mean that we should run out and dine and sup with sinners as much as we can. But we're not Christ, are we? In fact, we're instructed, if we are righteous, to hate the evil. But what the Pharisees did was make a tradition out of that. And let me interject, we recently concluded a four-part series on the book of Malachi. And in Malachi, you can easily see that the priests that Malachi, the unnamed prophet, came in to rebuke were the same exact Pharisees in the same exact temple of Jerusalem that usually always gave Christ issue irregardless of what He did. But we must understand the setting of this. The Pharisees believed they were so much higher, so much more pious than the sinful men and women. Therefore, they marveled when Christ dined with sinners and publicans. Verse 3, we read, And He, Yeshua, spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost. Very simple analogy or allegory from Christ. And he puts it in modern terms for the Pharisees to understand, at least in their day. Because many of our Israelite people were shepherds. Even King David was a shepherd or a keeper of the sheep. And what we as Christian identity preachers do is feed the sheep because we love Yahshua. But Christ is asking, which one of you, what man that I'm speaking to, if you have a hundred sheep and you lose one of them, doesn't leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness to go after that which is lost? And then He adds at the end, until He find it. That sets the stage for Yahshua's parable of the lost money. Because the concept here isn't so much as going after something that is lost and seeking it. But rather, what Christ is teaching on is seeking until we find. And you know as well as I do, if we do not ask, we cannot receive. And if we do not take the first step in seeking, we most assuredly, Will never find. And thus, Yahshua is relaying a parable here about lost sheep, and saying that it is the duty of the person to go after that which is lost, and not only seek it out, but look until he finds it. Verse 5, here in Luke chapter 15, Christ continues And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than over ninety and nine just persons, which need no repentance. So do you understand Yahshua's allegory here? We haven't even touched upon it. But the parable of the lost money is an extension of the parable of the lost sheep. And after Yahshua gives His parable of the lost money or coin, He goes on to the prodigal son. And the prodigal son also was somebody who was lost, but ultimately found. Therefore, Here in St. Luke chapter 15, what we're looking at are parables that appear only within the Gospel of Luke, because this is considered by theologians to be Luke's special section. The teachings within chapter 15 don't appear in the other three Gospels. So in order to fully understand Yahshua's parable, you must understand the conditions in which it was spoken. Christ was sitting with sinners and publicans because Christ understood being the living Word. He understood, My people Israel, like sheep, are gone astray. Therefore, the teaching that the Israelites are sheep begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. The Pharisees weren't familiar with that, or they would have understood what Christ was saying. What Christ was saying, at least according to His parable of the lost sheep, is that it is the duty of him who seeks to set aside the 99 if they are in a safe position and have no need of repentance to go after the one lost sheep. Therefore, we've already deducted from these seven verses in Luke chapter 15 that lost sheep equate to what? Sinful Israelites. Therefore, when Christ says, I am come only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and instructed His disciples to go only to the lost sheep of that same house, it should make perfect sense. That doesn't only include the sinners. But notice Christ says, Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Meaning, that the Pharisees were not the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And in Christ's allegory, the Pharisees would have been guilty of more sins as per the Old Testament minor prophet Malachi than those sinners and publicans that Yahshua sat with. But irregardless, no matter how many times Yahshua came to set free the captives, to do good to our people Israel, the Pharisees, or the organized religion of his time, continually had issue with this. Therefore, in chapter 15, Christ has to give these parables. And each one of them, whether it's the lost coin, the prodigal son, or the lost sheep, deals with what? Something that is lost and the rest of everything else being put aside to go after that which is lost. Why? Because it's a greater act in the eyes of God. The Pharisees did not understand that. Therefore, we can truly analyze Yahshua's parable of the lost money beginning here in St. Luke chapter 15. However, verse 8, we read, Christ continues, and remember, this is an extension of the parable of the lost sheep. He says, either meaning, or, or furthermore, or how about this allegory? Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she hath found it. And when she has found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. That, if you will, is Yahshua's own explanation to His own parable. That it is a greater feat in the eyes of God and the heavenly host for a sinner to repent than for a man like the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees to delude themselves into thinking they had a special position with God and didn't need to repent. And perhaps this sheds more light on why Malachi spent so much time rebuking them. He came in and said, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And for four to five hundred years, the organized religion didn't take heed to the final book in the Old Testament canon. They didn't take heed to this prophet of Israel who came in and said, the priests were responsible for the Israelites failing. Yeshua understood that. And isn't it ironic that when Christ sat with sinners and publicans, right? The Pharisees would come in and have issue with it again when it was their fault and that was confirmed by Malachi. Six Disputes Yahweh God brought against the same priests or Pharisees in the temple of Jerusalem. Robbing God of tithes. Lacking our first love. Whoring after strange women. And through all of that, through the Pharisees coming in and saying it was okay to be as sinful as you want, we were nationally cursed. So if you've not heard the four-part series titled Malachi from Covenant People's Ministry, please do download it. Within four hours, you'll have a good grasp on what happened back in the times of Malachi after the temple was rebuilt and what the mindset of the priest was. Just like this. Oh, can you believe? Yahshua sits with sinners and publicans. What that means is they never would. Therefore, they were still at this time being a respecter of persons. They were taking higher money from particular people for sin atonement and selling them the better fattened calves. Meanwhile, the diseased animals went to the common folk. But perhaps that's a study for another day. We're going to analyze this parable of the lost money. Because there's many keys provided here for each and every one of us when we have lost something, lost our first love. Lost our desire to have faith within God or His Word. How do we seek it out? Well, Yahshua gives you that answer. Number one is, we light a candle or we shed light upon that problem. And notice, here in Luke 15, Christ doesn't say whether it's night or day. He simply says that the first step of three, in order to find what you are seeking is to put light upon it or light a candle. The second is to sweep the house, looking diligently for that. Meaning, getting our house in order. And thirdly, is to seek diligently until we find. And those are the three steps for every one of these allegories. The lost sheep, the prodigal or lost son, and the lost money. If you want to find something, step one is what? Light a candle. Christ says, I am the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Therefore, step one is what? Seek Christ or the light first in all things in order to find. The second is what? Sweep. Sweep your house clean. Get your life in order, which is something that Christ taught non-stop in his parables. He would say that a tree, if it doesn't bring forth good fruit, it should be hewn down. Or a particular tree, if it lacks fruit, should be purged of its dead wood, meaning it should be pruned. And, perhaps, in years to come, it will bring forth fruit more abundantly. That falls under step number two. Sweeping, cleaning, and streamlining our life from all the dead wood, That we have. The third step is this. Look diligently until you find it. Christ says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. And that doesn't mean whatever you set your heart to. What it means is, if you don't take the first step to ask, then you'll never receive. If you don't take the first step to seek, then you'll never find. So it's common sense. If you want to find something, you've got to seek it. And a majority of the world don't seek after the truth of God's Word. They sure don't like hearing this racial gospel preached verbatim. So in order to prove some of the points that I'm making today, we're going to skip over to the gospel according to St. John. And in chapter 9, verse 5, we read, Christ says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as Yahshua, being the great I Am, is within the world, then Christ is the light of the world. What is your light, my friend? Because many people fill the void of their soul that's so pitch black and darkness with an artificial light from their television or from a big city. But our light is Christ. And Christ says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Meaning, He's still within this world. And your Judeo-Christians want to come in and convince you that He exists somewhere out in outer space. That He doesn't hear your prayers. He doesn't hear your petitions. But Christ says, as long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. Meaning, He was the light of the world to the disciples back then in the times that this was written. And He is our light. Christ equates to light, the Son of Righteousness. That's chapter 4 in Malachi. Therefore, anybody that does not have Christ is what? Blind. They walk around in darkness, unable to see. Step 1 is what? Put Christ first. Thank
0: you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, Be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Or give us a call at 678-692-8870. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. You can also listen to Pastor Visser by GodCast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is an all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message.
1: Now, it's apropos that John would say this in his gospel. John was one of the few disciples that actually changed within the pages of the Bible. He went from being a son of thunder, a zealot and a warrior, disciple of Christ, into the apostle of love. He realized what the greatest thing was, and that is love. So when we look at this parable of the lost money, understand that what Yahshua was doing was in love, setting aside the 99 to go after the one. Or setting aside the money that was possessed To go after the money that was lost. Every step Yahshua made was made in love. And the Pharisees didn't understand it. And all the while, they were meant to represent the love of God to the people Israel. So it is the same author, John, who writes within his first epistle. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. What did we just learn? God is light, but Christ said what? I am the light of the world. Can you honestly come in and say, Yahshua was not Yahweh? Absolutely not. When John says God is the light of the world, he was well familiar with the fact that Christ said, I am the light of the world. Right? John transcribed it in his Gospel, chapter 9. Here, the same John is teaching us what? This is the message which we've heard of him. This is the message John received of Christ. And what did Christ tell John? As long as I am in the world, I am being the name of God, then I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in it. John says, this is the message which we've heard of him. Yahshua. And declare unto you, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, and He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So the fact that John recognized the deity of Yahshua aside, this is a very basic fundamental teaching. We need to abide within the light or else we are simply what? In darkness. Therefore, a lost sheep or a lost coin abides within what? Darkness. The first step is what? Light your candle. Put light on the issue. Whatever comes across your desk or life, put light upon it. Analyze it and consider it prayerfully in light of what Christ would do. Now, we were told that Christ is the light. God is the light. And we're also informed in the parable of the lost money that the first step the woman took in Christ's allegory was to put light upon it. The second step she took was to sweep. To sweep diligently. To prune and or streamline, as we already discussed. So, what can be said here? As a word, this word sweep appears only here in the Greek. It is a word that is exclusive to Luke. Because Luke used high Greek. He used words that other authors of the New Testament did not. And so, as a result, we must go to the Gospel of Luke to get a definition of what this word sweep in the Greek means. Meaning, Luke uses it elsewhere, and it will shed light on what Christ is saying in Luke chapter 15. So in Luke chapter 11, we read, beginning in verse 24, Christ says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through the dry places, seeking rest and finding none, he says, I will return to my house whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in, and they dwell there. And guess what? The last state of that man is worse than it was with the first. And what we're looking at here is a teaching on spiritual possession. It even begins on that note. Christ says, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man. This is technically the 16th parable in the entire book of Luke. And it illustrates the fact that backsliders are worse than they were before they backslid. Why? Why would that be? Well, it's the second step. If you don't shine light on it first, you can sweep your house diligently just like the woman in the parable. But if you don't put Christ or the light of the world first, guess what? Those demons will come back and they'll bring seven other devils with them. Now we're dealing with a literal house and a proverbial house. Your canister, if you will. And Christ is straightforwardly saying that devils and demons will be cast out of a man. In fact, we have that ability to do it. We can bind evil, we can cast it out, but what we as the Israelite saints cannot do is kill evil. Therefore, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, if you cast it out or even push it out of your own life, what it will do, according to Jesus Christ, is it will walk and go through the dry places. It will seek rest, but it will not find any. And then, in the end, it will finally say, hey, I'm going to go back where I want to And when He does, He finds His house what? Swept and garnished. Swept being step two of the woman in Yahshua's parable. So this teaching on sweeping is very important because we should, at times, at least weekly, sweep our life of the deadwood. Sweep our life of the distractions that keep us from what? The light of the world being God or Yahshua. Now, this teaching is also found in the first Gospel. That is Matthew And hopefully, someday in the future, I'll cover the Gospel of St. Matthew in its entirety. Because it is one of the few Gospels that I have not covered from this pulpit. Perhaps beginning in January 2017. Who knows? But in St. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to read the same teaching of Christ. And it begins in verse 43. Christ says, and this is a prophecy pertaining to Israel... (laughs) <laughs> These are the acts of demons, my friends. Verse 43, St. Matthew chapter 13. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Three keys again. Empty, swept, and garnished. Meaning, the house is emptied out of all the deadwood. It is swept of all its dust. And finally, it is garnished. Meaning, it is put back in its proper order. So the demon comes back, and verse 45 says, Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation, or Genius, meaning race. Who is Christ referring to here? In context, the answer for that begins in verse 41 of this same chapter. It is Yahshua who denounces the Jews. He says in verse 41, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And the Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Christ most assuredly was greater than Solomon. He was greater than Jonah. In fact, Jonah was a type of Christ spending three days within the belly of a whale. But Christ announces the Jews and the prophecy that goes against those imposter Judeans is what? Even so, shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So, the point with all of this is, you can put the light on and you can sweep but if you don't do the third step, which is seek diligently what it is that is lost or you are seeking after, the demons can return. Oftentimes, the secondary stake after we light a candle and sweep our house is worse with us than it was at the beginning. So, seeking is something that we're taught in Scripture numerous times. In fact, while we're here in the Gospel according to Matthew, let's take a look at chapter 6. And in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel, we read in verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. First step is what? Light a candle. If you don't seek Christ you're not going to find. If you don't seek the kingdom of God first, you're not going to find anything else because only through seeking first the kingdom of God will everything else be added unto you. Christ even says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You don't need to go seek evil, my friend. Evil will find you. In fact, you don't even need to look for it. It'll find you. And you, if you don't follow these three steps, light, sweep, and seek, you can be consumed in all manner of ways. Seek first the kingdom of God. Very interesting statement, is it not? Christ reiterates that in Luke chapter 12, verse 31. Seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Give you the kingdom. Are you seeking the kingdom? If you don't seek the kingdom of God, you will not find it. If you don't seek the lost sheep, the lost money, or the lost prodigal son, you'll never find it. So what do we have? We have a hierarchy here. Number one, light a candle. That's something you do. Number two is sweep your house or clean. That's something you do. Number three is seek diligently. That requires you to take the first step. And if you do, if you seek first, everything else, including the kingdom of God, will be added unto you, right? Well, this is such a straightforward teaching. And like I said, it doesn't mean anything you ask for, you're going to receive. What it means is you have to do the work for God to bless you. For God to bring that sheep into your path so you can find it. So if you lose money, God can help you find the money or the coin that you lost. Don't believe me? Well, according to Matthew chapter 7, we read beginning in verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, shall it be opened. Stopping right there. Do you notice? Christ says you must make the first step. God's not going to give you your lost sheep. He's not going to just... Magically teleport your lost money into a napkin within your pocket and you're going to say, there it is. You have to do the work. You have to put Christ first, the light of the world, the Son of Righteousness. You have to sweep, clean your house of any proverbial demons or spiritual impediment. And then finally, you have to do the looking. If you don't seek, you will not find. And that, my friend, is the story of Christ. That is why the Pharisees never understood why Christ came and what He preached. For example, Christ straightforwardly says in the Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, "...the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost." That was His job. That was His duty. And if you understand this, That was what the coming Messiah was to do, was He not? To take all the sheep of Israel and bring them under one sheepfold. Because they, like now, were in dysphoria. They were dispersed abroad. They didn't understand who they were. They were lost sheep of the house of Israel. Meaning, they weren't lost in the world. They were lost to their identity. And the Pharisees believed that identity was theirs, but they were Edomites. And that also was confirmed in the book of the minor prophet Malachi. Christ came to do what? Once again, the Son of Man comes to seek that which is lost. So He gives these parables because the Pharisees were murmuring. Because they didn't care if you were lost. In fact, they wouldn't want you to light a candle because it would expose their deeds of darkness. They don't want you to sweep the house clean because if it did, that would mean they could no longer be God robbers and live on the tithes that the Israelites sent. And thirdly, they didn't want anyone to seek. Just like today. The false prophet wants to come in and say, you know what, I'm the latest, greatest thing. Trust me. Don't search me out. Everyone else is a false prophet. And guess what's interesting about that? Nine times out of ten, like then... They teach exactly opposite of what Christ would do. Christ came to do what? The Son of Man came to seek that which was lost. The lost sheep. The lost coin. Or the prodigal son. One more point before we move on. And that is found within Hebrews. So far I've given you Matthew. I've given you Luke. And I've given you John. But now we're going to turn to the words of Paul. Most likely, Paul. Most people don't really know who authored the book of Hebrews, but the style is similar to the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke, meaning it most likely was authored by Paul through his scribe, Luke. But nonetheless, in Hebrews chapter 11, this is considered the faith hall of fame. Everyone we read about, man and woman both, these Israelites that are found within the 11th chapter of Hebrews, are examples of faith. Examples of faith. Therefore, we read in verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith, we cannot please God. And let me interject. Here in chapter 11, we have the examples of Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Abram, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and many others. And every one of them had faith enough to do what? To seek in order to find. They could seek the kingdom of God, therefore it would be added unto them. Man without faith cannot please God. Where was the faith of the Pharisees in today's lecture? Well, we began in chapter 15. They were murmuring. Luke 15, verse 1, "...then drew near unto Him all the publicans and sinners for to hear Him." That was why the Pharisees had issue. They that were lost were coming to the light. They were seeking the light. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, "...this man receives sinners and eats with them." Of course, what that means is they would not do that. And that's one of the jobs of a preacher... This is also why Yahshua uttered these three parables in this chapter before he even gets back to addressing his own disciples again. How utterly ignorant the religious people were of the true purpose of religion and the mission of Christ. What was the mission of Christ? We already covered that today, right? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Christ came to seek that which was lost. And He did so because the Pharisees and the organized religion of our modern era will not still to this day. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of this study, this parable of the lost money is an extension of the parable of the lost sheep. It appears directly after it, and you can read about the parable of the lost sheep without the parable of the lost coin In Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. It ties right into this parable. But hopefully I've taught you the three steps that Yahshua taught us in this parable. Number one, light your path. Number two, sweep your house. And number three, seek that which is lost or unbeknownst to you. If you do those three things, chances are pretty good That Yahshua will find you being lost. You understand the analogy? We don't choose God. God chooses us. And if we are chosen, we are truly the chosen of Yahweh God. But we didn't choose to be chosen. Yahweh God chose to choose us. Therefore, if you're seeking, do these steps. But most important of all these steps is number three. Seek. If you don't seek, you will not find. And if you seek the kingdom of God, everything else truly will be added unto you. And so, this is Pastor Visser reminding you once again to download our free eBooks, which are accessible on the World Wide Web at covenantpeoplesministry.org under Covenant People's Books. We recently published Selected Poetry of Jeremy John Visser, the Seedline Monthly Devotional, and the Morning Stars, or a study on angels and Scripture. All of these are free for your use and your edification, my friends. You do not have to order them in paperback format unless you desire a copy. And so, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia and the Covenant People's Church wishing you and yours great studies War for Christ. Amen. Covenant
0: People's Ministry Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us, Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and share your Christian testimonies, or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible study lessons and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website. If you would like to write to us, send your comments and queries to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205 or reach us by telephone at 678 692 88 we thank you for your prayers and offerings, and we pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to share the words of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.